But there's this reminds me of another thing. Mm. You know that crazy instrument that I love every single time I see it on my a thermon. No, not that one. It's like this giant music box piano thing. It uh-huh. was like a one man composer's dream, and they used to use it for like old <gasps> the movies, cartoons, and cartoons. And stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where this thing's awesome. I love it. There's this video. I'll have to look it up. It's just like this old guy, and it's like the one. Like, of three that left still work in existence, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it's just nonsense. He's, just, he's pulling levers. Oh, he looks like, insane. <laughs> <laughs> he looks exactly what old cartoon depictions of people playing piano look like, yes, where they're just bouncing, yeah, the rubber and band the piano animation is moving, yeah. and they're just like five feet in the air. Every time I see it, I'm like. God, I want to see this live. I would pay good money to watch a person perform. Oh my God, can you imagine? They play the instrument while the cartoon is on the screen. Oh yeah. And you watch like old Mickey Mouse or like Betty Boop or anything like that. Uh, yeah. Sounds it's great. It's funny because I love the technology and stuff just because it's so old timey. Mm-hmm. Hate the racism. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> let me just say, first and foremost, I am anti-racism. Put me on record. Pro cartoon. (laughs) Just anytime I see anything before a certain time. Yeah. I just cannot, as a brown man, ever be like, yeah, I would want to live in that time. Oh, no, 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 no. Because it's always always the white Tumblr girls that say, here's a picture of some people dressed in 50s clothes. Wish we could go back. This was a simpler time. Everyone was better back then. I'm like, that was the time before... (laughs) That, that was the time where your husband, if he didn't like you, could get you lobotomized. Yeah. So let's not... Not only was it bad for women in general, but it was especially horrible for women of color yeah. and any person of color. Mm-hmm. The romanticized... The oh, my God. The romanticized... Nope. I can't say this word. Romanticization. Whoa. The romanticization. No. Nope. I can't say this word. Anyway. It's easy for white people to go back and say, we could live in any time. Mm -hmm. And for people of color, like myself, it's just, oh, if I were alive in that time, people would probably kill me. Oh, yeah. So that's fun. everyone to a beautiful festive holiday episode it is christmas time we're in the yule season Woo-hoo. and we are show dependent it is the podcast that exposes and talks about our codependent tendencies with the things that we love how they shaped us into who we are today and whether or not the relationship has changed my name is eddie i would like to welcome you all to this Fantastic Christmas season. The best season there is, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it's the right one. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I am one half of this show-dependent podcast. And my partner in production, the other half of the great duo, that is us, is right here next to me. Her name is... Kayla. Hello, guys. I hope you are doing well this season. At least staying warm. I mean, it's important. I hope, I hope that you can at least do that. I would hope so. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? What's going on? Anything on your mind? I am nauseated. 
and uh, feeling excited. <laughs> Fantastic. What a weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's because I put up my like Yule decorations today. Mm. So I was like prepping my Yule log. I like dusted it off and uh, made sure there were no spiders in it. And then I, oh my God. I put around, well, yeah, because it's a, it's a log for my yard. It was uh, very exciting. Well, it sounds like fun. As we welcome in the, what is it, the rebirth of nature and everything is coming back. Yeah. It's Christmas time. It's a time for fun, for tap dancing, for songs and dance, for stories of ghosts. For eating all... outside. Ooh, eating outside for some reason and fireplaces inside, which is wild to me, but apparently it's a thing. I just think it's a fire hazard, obviously. It feels like an old-timey thing that they were like, yeah, why not just bring the fire inside? People also used to, like, light candles on living trees. Well, that's what I'm saying. It feels like a thing where they used to be, what's the problem with fire? Bring it on in. What's the worst that could happen? Burning the house down? (laughs) And then they burned a million houses down. They're like, huh. Maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. Mayhaps one of us should stop doing this. Today we will be discussing the 1954 film White Christmas, starring Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye, my man. Ooh, this movie's a heater. It's a heater. Let's get it going. With our meet cute. It's a meet cute, baby. It's how we met this thing. (laughs) Although this film was made in 1954, and it is the oldest movie we have covered here on Show Dependent, somehow it is the newest addition to my life. (laughs) That is kind of weird. It's a bit strange. Honestly, I don't even know if I even knew this movie existed before Kayla introduced me to it. Hey, you're welcome. (laughs) Which is very weird because I definitely knew of Bing Crosby. Mm -hmm. And I obviously knew about the song White Christmas. But Christmas songs are just so ubiquitous that I guess I just thought that the song was simply, you know, a remnant of the past. All classic Christmas songs are from this time. Mm -hmm. So I just thought... It's just an old Christmas song. There's nothing really else to it. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> when Kayla brought this film into my life, circa 2016, I'll be honest, I was a, a bit apprehensive. I'm a Mexican man, and I was like, hmm, this is an old film from before the civil rights movement? Yeah. Got a sneaking suspicion I'm going to see something racist. But wow. <laughs> was it racist? No, <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. It was not, but no. wow, was I missing out. Mm-hmm. As I think I mentioned in our zombies episode, quick side note, it is very funny to me that our first episode on a musical was on a Disney Channel original movie. Oh boy, yep. As I think I mentioned there, I never realized just how much I love musicals until I started dating Kayla. Hey, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) White Christmas is just pure joy, and it's just a classic musical through and through. The dancing and the songs are just infectious, and you'll find yourself humming the tunes long after Christmas is over. As we will talk about, so many aspects of this film have become synonymous with Christmas for me. I can absolutely see... Why this film stands the test of time. Oh, and one last thing. Bing Crosby is great in this for sure. But my man, Danny Kay, he (laughs) absolutely, positively kills it in every scene that he's in. I love that guy. He seems like a genuinely awesome person. Yeah, and I read the wiki a few years back and it seemed like he wasn't problematic. And was a great father to his daughter. In short, he said she can do whatever she wants. Which is pretty cool at the time. Oh, yeah. We need to set our standards higher for the older generation. 
Oh, yeah. There's no reason y'all can't be doing better. Because mm-hmm, people were doing better in the past. Mm-hmm. And you've had many years to get even better than them. Absolutely. For me, in my little meet-cute situation, I was introduced to not the film, but the actual onstage musical in the year 2009. And it was my freshman year of high school. And this was the musical production that my school was putting on. Unfortunately, despite like my anticipation for entering into this high school, which has an amazing musical theater program, I was not allowed to participate in the cast of that year's production because I guess apparently there was there was too many upperclassmen and they wanted to make sure that everybody had the opportunity to be involved before they had to graduate. So um, I didn't get to be in the cast, but I did get to watch the stage production and it was just amazing. It was really awesome to see my peers be able to put on such a fantastic show. It was it was really, really a cool experience to be able to be introduced to the plot of this classic film through an actual onstage performance, which was awesome. I would love to see this live. Oh, yeah, the energy is great. And shout out to the cast of, of that year's production because they just, they knocked it out of the park. Everybody was so likable and charismatic. They did a great job. It wasn't until about, I don't know, five years after that um, I actually got to watch the original film on Netflix. And I was like, holy crap, it got better. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I didn't know. Like, it was, I don't know. Hey, yo, they're telling me these professional singers and dancers are better than this high school play that I watched? I mean, and granted, <laughs> you know, I was still a child. So, you know, getting to see anybody two or three years older than me doing better than me is very impressive i'll give it to you it was really fun and they did a great job i'm not discrediting that yeah no no it was so cool because it was just like this is what it's supposed to be i i love it very similar to eddie it's kind of everything i love about musicals in my opinion it just captures everything that a musical should be and it's christmassy and what's not to like about that and nothing to not like about it. <laughs> Unless you don't celebrate Christmas. Then I really guess, I guess you're in the Rodden podcast. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> no. They've been bored for the past, like, four weeks. Whatever. When are they going to talk about Full Court Miracle? Once you've gotten to know someone, it's time for you two to go steady. Christmas Eve, 1944. We are on the front lines of World War II. And our leading men, Bob Wallace, played by Bing Crosby, and Phil Davis, played by none other than Danny Kaye, <laughs> are putting on a Christmas show for their division, which is also a send-off for their leading commander, General Waverly, who has been forced into retirement. And after taking some enemy fire, a building nearly falls on Bob, but Phil comes in for the rescue and saves Bob's life, but receives a minor injury in his right arm in the process. Using this as leverage, Phil guilts Bob into going on tour once the war ends. And the Wallace and Davis show is a huge success. And while on tour, Wallace and Davis get a letter from an old pal in the army that says he wants them to check out his younger sister's act. And they oblige. The Haynes sisters, Betty played by Rosemary Clooney and Judy played by Vera Ellen, these ladies have got great voices and both Bob and Phil quickly catch eyes for them. Through a series of crazy events, the guys end up following the ladies to a gig they have booked up in Pine Tree, Vermont for the holidays. And funny enough, when they arrive, they find that the owner of the ski lodge where the sisters are performing is General Waverly. The boys figure out that Waverly is not doing well financially with the ski lodge business, and the lack of snow around Christmas time is making things feel even more bleak. So the boys come up with the idea 
to bring their show up to the lodge to drum up some business for the old man. And not only that, but they use their connections to the famous TV show host Ed Harrison to advertise to the old members of their division to come up and see their show on Christmas Eve to support the general and to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the last time they were together as a division. And after a lot of dramatic irony and thumb-twiddling and frustration and, of course, plenty of singing and dancing, things work out. Phil falls for Judy and Betty falls for Bob, and it's a white Christmas after all. Now that we've gotten to know White Christmas, and for those of you who haven't watched it yet, it's on Netflix. Go watch it. It's definitely worth it. It's a bit long. Oh, it's not bad. It's only two hours. It's, it's two hours. For a musical, that's amazing. Yes, but if you if you can't handle two hours of singing at a time, you could take it in little breaks. Well, here's the good thing <laughs> about Netflix. You can just pause it whenever Hooray! you want to. It's time we go steady and really dive into why we love this film. First off, the characters. They have to be talked about because obviously they're why you watch it. They're the reason for the season. Jesus isn't in this movie. Okay, sure. <laughs> yes. I just associate the reason for the season with all the, the, the Christians. Jesus is not in this. No Jesus, no. but I mean, he's not <laughs> white, right? <Yeah. laughs> so he's not allowed to be in this. He's not in the credits at all. But um, you know who is? Bing, Bing Crosby. Crosby. Our man being old blue eyes. Isn't that Frank Sinatra's name? I guess. I always get it mixed up. But I mean, Me you, look, you look in this film, this man's eyes are fucking wild. They're like radioactive blue. It's like the creative character in a video game where you select blue and you expect it to be normal and it's just neon blue. Insane. Finn Crosby plays Bob Wallace. And mm-hmm. yeah, his eyes are insane. You, you watch it and you definitely get the idea aliens are real. Bing Crosby's one of them, and or... You were convinced Bing Crosby's like a reptilian? Yeah, it's like, I get it why they think reptilians run Hollywood, because there's no way this man's eyes are natural. Fair enough. It's hard to look at anything else, honestly, especially in like the close shots with mm-hmm. him. Is there a filter? Like, <laughs> yeah. what? Did they put some weird Instagram filter back in 1954? I'm pretty sure this was before colored contacts. Why his eyes look so wild? Crazy. Was it before contacts? Either way, Bob Wallace, he's an unhappy old man. He's all work, no romance, and he's indebted to Phil. Why exactly? Uh, uh, my arm, you know? For those of you who can't (laughs) see her... I'm rubbing my arm. As this is an audio medium. I I said, oh, my arm. Yes, but they can't see what you're doing. I'm rubbing my arm. (laughs) She's rubbing her right arm. Like it's hurting. Oh, it hurts so badly. You know Why? Why? Because I saved you from a falling wall, mm-hmm. Bob Davis. Nope, Bob Wallace. Darn it, I mixed their <laughs> names together. That's their ship name. I, I love it because it, it starts off with Phil Davis saving Bob Wallace from a falling wall. And then ever since then, it's just such a good gag. Mm-hmm. It's such a good running gag. Anytime Phil Davis wants Bob to do anything, yeah. he just oh grabs his right arm and just all he has to do is just grab it and he's just like shut up damn it shut up okay (laughs) yeah also it's funny how they like describe him as an old man because he doesn't seem that old oh like how old is old like Um, is he like 40 i think in the 50s yeah as soon as you were past 35 you were an old man oh well damn everything moves so much faster back then because you died so much younger also war also Um. (laughs) the wars that were happening there were two of them, you know? Oh. They were wars to end all wars. Psych. <laughs> sort of world wars. Bob really just loves Phil. You you can tell. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever he does the arm thing, it's more like, ah, this guy. 
This guy. Love this guy. Obviously, I'm going to do it. But, I mean, Bob is pessimistic. He's that old Hollywood guy. Like, everyone's got an angle. Mm-hmm. Everyone has something they want. Nothing's for free. He's full of jargon. I Most of the time, I don't know what he's saying. Yeah, but I, I, I know what he means. Many moments in this film where we had to pause it and be like, what, what did they just say? What? Did, what was that thing? What does that mean? Which we will talk about. Yeah. But he's like the king of catchphrases, man. He's yeah, got he... so many different ways of saying things. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, Bob is a romantic at heart. He just wants to do something for a nice man who he credits with keeping them all alive. Mm-hmm. Because General Waverly, he's like a father to them. To Phil and Bob and the rest of the 151st Division. Mm -hmm. It's just wild. Doing all this just to show an old man people care about him is absolutely insane. That's why it's such a good Christmas movie. Mm -hmm, Because it's going above and beyond. Mm -hmm. It's a grand gesture film and we love that. Just to make an old man feel good Mm -hmm. and feel okay with where he is in his life. It's super nice. It's We got to talk about your boy. My man. The goat. Mm-hmm. Danny Kay, aka Phil Davis. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's just so cute. He's just a cute man. His face. He's so cute. This man's face. Every little thing he does, every little expression, you're like, God. He's so expressive. Mm-hmm. I love watching him. He's so entertaining. Yeah, every time he's in a scene, it just feels like, whoa, look at this ball of energy. Mm-hmm. Like I feel as though he could light up any room. He's very electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. It's hard not to look at him yeah. because he's everything he does. And you would think it would be distracting, but it's just, it's enjoyable the whole time. You know how sometimes when, especially people like do character work, yeah. it'll become too much at a certain point. It's like, okay, we get it. Listen, all right. Shut up. Relax. We get it. Never does it get to that line with Phil. Mm-mm. Like he's just so likable. He hits that line where it's just like. Oh, you, you <laughs> uh, stinker. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Always pulling this old army injury bit. He's just so funny. Mm-hmm. When he reveals to Bob that he wants to do this stage production and, you know, Bob's like, oh, well, who's the other stick of dynamite? And Danny <laughs> Kay or Phil Davis is just like, oh, you know, I was thinking, you know, a guy who's like bright and vibrant and not too bad of a singer. He's like, oh, well, how about me? You know, yeah, and just the way uh, he says it is just so genuine. Cause he's just all charisma. Yeah. And obviously, Bob says, okay. <laughs> Phil takes his arm out of the sling and <laughs> shakes his hand and then puts it back in. And Bob's like, the fuck? Yeah. I don't know. It's just from, uh, from right there, you can just tell, God, this guy's going to be great. It's funny because he doesn't, a lot of the things that he does without charisma would be very skeezy. Oh, sure. But like... Because he's so likable, he doesn't come off as a con man. Well, yeah, because you can tell he's doing everything just out of the goodness of his heart. Mm-hmm. He just wants other people to be happy. And <laughs> he also wants things for himself because him and Bob, they're a great dynamite production act. They're just work, work, work. All Phil wants, he says, Bob, I want you to get a wife. And if you have a wife and you have nine kids, and if you only spent five minutes with each kid, that's 45 minutes for me. Where I can just go off and get a massage or something. <laughs> and it's just it's just hilarious the way that they say it. I mean, uh, he just wants to relax. Mm-hmm. But he also ultimately just wants Bob to be happy. Yeah, that's the sweet part about it. So, you know, the guilt tripping and all that stuff. He, he never really does it 
to the detriment of no Bob. no no it's always very good he just spirited. always does it and it's not even like he's really guilt tripping him he's more just like come on you know you have to do this yeah and you know that and and bob acknowledges that he's like you're right we did great we are great and i'm grateful so uh it's just it's very sweet ultimately without him nothing would have happened in this film nope bob would have died <laughs> bob would just the be end. under, under just, a wall just ah oh, look at him oh he's dead dang it darn hell of a singer that one hell of a singer <laughs> moving on to the haynes sisters we got judy from from here i just want to say she's a bit of a shell of a character yeah, yeah. but what she lacks in dialogue and intrigue she makes up for in just raw talent Ooh. she is an exceptional dancer yeah here dancing and vera ellen my goodness queen queen i have never seen a woman dance like this before that's it's probably impressive. just because I don't seek it out. I'm sure there's a ton of very talented dancers from this period, but like, wow. It's pretty much every style. Like she can do ballroom, she can do contemporary if she wants to, she can do tap. It's crazy. Hip hop? Um, I don't think hip hop existed. It was uh, definitely racist. Yeah. It's crazy watching her perform. So sharp and clean and everything she does is wonderful. But as far as her character goes, She's a little, she's a little trickster. Uh-huh. She's a little tricky, tricky. She gives me big like fox energy. She's a little conniving, a little, yeah, I mean, she, little sneaky. She's a great compliment to Phil. Yeah, because they both are the characters pushing their counterparts mm-hmm. to pursue more. Yes, both of them need to pursue more than just business. Mm-hmm. Right? She's very tactical. You know, she may be somewhat of a shell of a character. Where mm-hmm. she, re- she really doesn't do that much. And her, her character is built in a sense of... She just she just always knows what she wants to get out of the situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she wrote the letter at the beginning so that Wallace and Davis would watch her sister act. Yeah, and pretending then, to be her brother. Mm-hmm. You know, she thought, yeah, if I write it, it's not going to work. But if mm-hmm. I use this, then it's going to work. And she... Later in the film, says, well, Phil, you and I need to get married because then it'll push them to want more. But also, I want to get married Mm -hmm. to Phil. And, you know, it's very obvious that she does love this guy. Mm -hmm. But she's just, you know, everything she does has a reason behind it. It's not like she ever really just, like, stumbles upon something. Yeah, she's very strategic. I think that's that's a good word to describe it. Mm -hmm. She's pretty fun, not only to watch, but also just, like... (laughs) There's there's a scene where she cries because oh, yeah. she gets upset because it's said that like ah oh, you would have been with Phil forever and then she's like but, but I want to basically and then she just balls off mm-hmm. off screen and it's right. I was like that was that was a good touch <laughs> pretty yeah, fun she's dramatic she's very dramatic speaking of drama oh my god <laughs> Betty Betty honey why are you like this Betty 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 Haynes she got to be a Virgo. You know, as a Virgo, I, I think that she is. Um, <laughs> she's so stubborn. Oh, in like, my goodness. She will hold a grudge to the death, apparently. In the worst way. Yeah. yeah. It's a stereotype, but I think Betty is the perfect example of that stereotype of women don't tell you what's bothering them. No. <laughs> they just expect you to know and will just... Hold that against you forever. Mm-hmm. The main crux, which, again, we'll discuss further a little later, but she thinks that Bob is doing something for the general, doing this whole thing for the general only for himself, mm-hmm. to drum up business for Wallace and Davis. Yeah. And when she hears this, she doesn't ask him, hey, are you doing this for yourself? 
Yeah. She just says all these backhanded yeah. statements. And the whole time, Waldus is like, what's going on? And she's yeah. like, well, if you don't know, then fuck you. And then she just runs off to New York. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing, Betty? <laughs> this is not good communication she, skills. She runs away from everything. Including her own sister. Her own sister. Doesn't even tell her sister what's wrong. No. Like, you're not even going to tell your own your other half you honestly because they, they seemed inseparable honestly bring back the drama <laughs> now you can just track people on their phone you're like oh she's good she's in new york oh great great what is she doing now what's she doing oh, she bought a black dress oh boy Oof. Oh, this is gonna be something. gonna sing a little song <laughs> <laughs> okay uh-huh okay betty yeah just be like hey wallace what did you do i don't know yeah <laughs> i don't know what i did feels like Bob and he's like, oh, I don't know. what's happening? I tried to sing a song with her and she apparently hates me now. Yeah, and it's funny because she's not even good at hiding it. No, she's just very obviously upset, and everyone's like, "Is something wrong?" I'm good. Maybe she's a Virgo because I I feel like I I would be pretty decent in hiding. <laughs> Before this, and I would. Uh, maybe she's not a Virgo after all. It'd be yeah. like have a poker face at least. Yeah, she's just like super mean. Yeah, because immediately Phil talks to her. And it's like, yeah. hey, is something wrong? Well, and she just storms off. Well, I think that the reason that she's mad is because Phil automatically like confirms the suspicion that she has. But he doesn't. That's the thing. She she infers all of this. She exactly. fills in the gaps. She doesn't. She doesn't just talk to people. Nope. She just hears what she wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, well, that, guess that's I'm reality. Right. I'm leaving everyone behind. Oh, Betty, 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 Betty. And it's just it. It is because that's her character. Yeah. Though. Because at the beginning, she's very much, she, she believes in the good in everyone. Mm-hmm. She's in show business. She's in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. This whole idea, you think, you know, the stereotypes and what, what everyone seems to say of it is just, you know, it's a cutthroat world. Everyone's using you for something. Don't trust everyone or anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's what Bob tells her, you know? Yeah. Everyone has an angle, even Judy over there. She's so sweet and nice, but she wrote this letter under false pretenses mm-hmm. and betty's just like well that's an awful thing to say mm-hmm. you know there she's essentially saying there are good people here and there are good people in this business who just want to do something good yeah so the movie does do a good job in showing that yeah well and it, it i guess it just kind of justifies like her character because from the jump we know she's a very like pure-hearted person yeah and then when that you know supposed betrayal happens <laughs> uh-huh. it really hurts her right and it is also because yeah she she didn't have to tell them that Judy wrote the letter. No. And she didn't want to do it. As soon mm-hmm. as Judy, as soon as she found out Judy did it, she was like, oh, well, we can't do this. Yeah, this is that's wrong. lying. That's and not the, okay. And then they do it. And then Judy stops her from telling them. And then she tells Bob anyways. And it's like, before you go any further, I just want to let you know that she lied. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. But it's yeah. just so frustrating because it's dramatic irony. Yeah. Because it's almost like. That's the point. We're supposed to be upset. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, Betty, if you don't just... You dumb ass. Ask just talk to the man. A question. Yeah. <laughs> ask a question. And it's crazy because we're about to talk about the general. Yay. But even this old, and especially in the 1950s, mm-hmm. this old war general yeah. who back then classically men were men and you didn't talk about emotions and mm-hmm. you didn't do all this stuff. Even the general himself... Tells her, you just need to talk to Bob. Yeah, this is a tactical <laughs> error. Yeah. Reassess, woman. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, you need to... And it's to... not in a mean way. It's just like, hey, 
I think you're making a mistake right. here. Like something's wrong yeah. and you should talk about it. And she just refuses. Uh, she just kind of fulfills that trope of a woman being her own worst enemy, <laughs> <laughs> which is sad, but yeah. true. It's just instance. like, what's that other funny example of like a woman having a bad dream where oh, her, where like her partner cheats, cheats on, her on her and then something. she wakes up angry and she's like, hmm, well, I'm not going to talk to him all day long. <laughs> you know what you did? What did I, what the hell are in, you talking about? In your dream? Yeah, you were a real dick, so. Yeah, I saw what you did with I her. I can't believe what I can't believe what you did. <laughs> but the, You're insane. It's not real. Calm I'm, down. Go for a drive. You yeah. know, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go tap dance with Bing Crosby and Danny <laughs> K. Oh, let's talk about the general. I adore this man. The general, salute. Salute. I drop Ow. all my things and smack my head. In my mitten. Mm-hmm. So cute. <laughs> I love him. Ugh, sorry, I can't help but talk about Phil Davis's character. I mean, sorry, Danny Kaye's character, Phil Davis. <laughs> There's a lot of names floating back and forth here. Yeah. Yeah. General Waverly. He reminds me about, like, the best pieces of my grandpa. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, because it's just like, he's, I don't know, he seems nostalgic. He's He's kind of witty. Mm-hmm. He's very... Kind-hearted. Although my grandfather was in the Navy, not the Army, but, mm-hmm. you but know. still Similarities are Military there. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, now that you bring it up, it does sort of seem... Yeah, well, way. and it's kind of like from the same era. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, granted, my grandfather's not that old. Like, he was a byproduct of World War II. Okay. But, but like... Nice phrasing. Well, I mean, yeah, his parents... World were... War II happened, and then all of a sudden, this guy Whoop. showed up. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened. People came back from war, boinked, and had yeah. kids. And I just like here. referring to it as a byproduct. I mean, <laughs> it's kind. Of, do you want me to call it fallout from the war? That's also a different way to. That look is at a it. negative connotation as well. I guess I would have just said, you know, he was born around the time of the war. because <laughs> <laughs> then I just picture like the old classic cartoon, like cloud of fighting. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, people yeah. are just fighting over Europe, and then your grandpa just pops out of Whoop. the. Just, huh, why is he here? Huh. Wah, I'm a baby. Yes, uh-huh. you are. You want a Werther's? <laughs> it came out the womb giving me Werther's originals. Uh-huh. I wasn't even Which alive. Which is funny that he does that he stereotype. He does. My grandpa does carry around Werther's originals in his pocket. I've gotten many a Werther's <laughs> from this man. Oh my God, I love it. It's, yeah, a, great, it's he, a great thing that he actually does. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Know. It's funny seeing stereotypes happen before you, and you're like, "There's no way." Here's this man handing me a hard caramel right now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I want it. Of course, I want <laughs> it. It's it. warm. It was in your pocket. It's delicious. <laughs> Give me the Werther's. Of course, oh. I want a second one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Waverly. He is. He is that guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a twinkle in his eye for a time gone by. Mm-hmm. He wants so much just to be, I guess, the man that other people see him as mm-hmm. and the man he sees himself as. Yeah. He's kind of, you know, it. his big sad thing is that essentially he just doesn't want to get older. Yeah. He wants to be young. He wants to be there for the people around him. I think another thing is like he just wants to be, and this is just like, I feel a universal thing. He wants to be needed. Yeah, it's true. You know? Because he, uh, at the beginning... The big thing is they're putting on a Christmas show over in the war and General Waverly is essentially 
losing his job. He's yeah, not... it's I, it's not really made clear why. I assume he was forced into retirement based yeah. on an injury, because at the beginning of the film he's walking with a a walking stick. Yeah, it seems like he may have gotten hurt while yeah, that over could be there. Part of it. Yeah. Um. So it's and he was forced... older. Yeah, he just yeah. I mean, there's many ways you could read into mm-hmm. it. The it's, main thing you get out of it is it's sad, and mm-hmm. you want him to not feel that way. It's just funny, though, because it's, dog, you you don't have to be at war anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, go home and relax, man. Yeah. Why do you want to be here? But he wants to be needed, and he wants to be there for those people that he's been taking care of, mm-hmm. he's been in command of. Kind of funny to me that when they find out General Waverly owns a ski lodge, yeah. he, like, just does not want to talk about it. They say, like, oh, yeah. General, what are you doing? He's like, oh, we we just keep the general part quiet around here. Mm-hmm. It's like, dog, <laughs> what's wrong? Well, it's probably a little bit demeaning because when they when Bob and Phil first see him in the... Oh, they, yeah. They, they say, like, Phil calls him a janitor. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, and, you know, obviously we don't feel this way about, like, custodians or anybody in that in that industry. Oh, sure, but... But people look, d- tend to look down on that profession because it's like... You're picking up garbage for a living? What do you and mean? And in the 50s, I'm sure it was yeah. worse. You used to be a general, a commanding general, and now you're carrying firewood? It's like, worse than that. Yeah. I own this place. I own this place. <laughs> <laughs> I also love General Waverly's humor because it's so deadpan and dry. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, it's so good. It's yeah. really, really good. And it's very funny because General Waverly, you know, he's a landlord. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, oh, a landlord. And there's multiple times in this movie where they just point hey, out that landlord. <laughs> landlords kind of suck and are ass, which I love. Because we agree. It speaks to my heart. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. boy, if you don't get up off your ass and actually go get a job yeah. and contribute to society. Like, I don't know. I have more respect for General Waverly owning a ski lodge oh, yeah. and like renting it out as a hotel. Like I well, don't yeah, really see him he, as a landlord. It, I see him yeah. as a hotel owner, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. And that's like the other thing. I'm like, Doug, you own a fucking business. This is so cool. <laughs> and it's a ski lodge. It's cool. Look how nice this place is. Yeah, he sunk why, all of his money into making know, this beautiful place. Why would you not want to proudly say owned by a general? Mm-hmm. I'm sure many people would have gone. We digress. Why did these <laughs> Why did these guys who love the general not know what he was up to? I don't know. Because you I probably, don't... I mean, I guess with a few people in your division, you would probably keep close contact with. Write some letters. But you probably lost a few friends, too. They're, I don't know. That's a hard little line to walk, I think. It's like, do you yeah. want to keep in touch? Do you want to give know. them their privacy? And it could just be the general maybe didn't respond. Yeah. I mean, they made a whole Christmas show. They wrote a song about the old man. We'll follow him. Wherever he wants to go. Barely not. (laughs) Barely not. We're not following him to Vermont. (laughs) Nope, because we just lost touch. Well, let's talk about a couple more scenes with Waverly. Please. There's two key scenes for us. Mm -hmm. One of them is near the end that we talk about. It shows that the general, he's a romantic. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Because not only does he tell Betty, you know, this is a tactical error. You should just talk to Bob. But prior to that when phil and judy get engaged yeah they say that they're engaged everyone's excited and all that and you look in the background and the general's like hmm. got one eye up like the fuck is going on are here? we sure about this <laughs> mm, i don't know yeah he's like well aren't you gonna kiss the bride yeah <laughs> he approaches them are and you, is like why aren't you guys kissing if you think if you are in love Mm-hmm. And if I know anything about Private Davis, if <laughs> no. he were feeling affectionate towards somebody, he would probably be macking on him. Mm-hmm. 
Let's uh, see us a little smooch, huh? Go ahead, kiss kiss in front of me. Yeah. Which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's kind of a thing that people do, though. It's always like expected that when people get engaged, especially in public, mm-hmm. there are going to be a, there is going to be at least one display of affection. It's very true. No, but he's oh, Waverly's just got such a good sense of people. Mm-hmm. He knows that this is like a phony thing. Yeah, he needs to see like prove it. <laughs> <laughs> prove prove that you love each other. It is for the better. Oh yeah. Phil and Judy both end up loving the kiss. So. On the opposite end, the horseshoe scene. Oh no. No, wow, this scene is so devastating. <laughs> it's so well done, though. It's so, so well good. done. Because, again, he's a man who is sad he's getting old, which makes sense. No one wants to get old. In this horseshoe scene, Bob comes up. He's got the mail and stuff. And there's old men playing horseshoes. The general's right there. And Bob says, you know, why do you ever join them in horseshoes? He says, oh, no. A man ought to hold off on the horseshoes till after the parades passed him by. Which, for one, great line. Also, very sad imagery. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. He's just sitting there. And you the see an old just... man sitting on a park bench watching the parade go by, and he's like, time for me to go die. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? The what parade ends, Turbo Man's gone, and it's just... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna kill myself. Yeah, no. Well, that's a nice way to like think of the... To think it's of a nice life. way to think of life, yeah. yeah. It's very poetic. But he says, no, I, I'm not I'm not ready for the horseshoes quite yet. I'm holding out for a job. I've applied for active duty. He's I'm waiting to hear back from the government. The Pentagon. I, the Pentagon. Whomever. I don't know. The men who decide who lives and dies, I guess. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in some respect. He's like, I'm waiting to hear my leather. Should be here any day now. Should be there. I got an idea they're going to try and... Put me on a desk job, but they better not. They better not. I'm holding out for training. Bob says, oh, well, I'm really on the ball today. Mm-hmm. Pulls out a letter. The letter's bad news. It's mm-hmm. it's a soft, gentle no. Yeah, it's a soft, gentle, shouldn't you just, just relax? Just just retire. Stay retired. And it, it breaks Waverly's heart, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Bob can see it. He just immediately senses, oh. He's like, oh. He's like, the rest of the letter is about the family. And then he just stands up. Oh, what is he? Does he tell Bob? He's like, well, I think I, I better give this uh, horseshoe game a, a try. Yeah. And then he slowly saunters over to the horseshoe game, and it's like, no, Waverly, no, no don't give up. You're not dead yet. Come but on. There's, there's still more parade, man. More parade. There's more see. parade coming. Please don't. Uh, and, and that's when Bob gets the idea for the big finale. It's like we gotta bring, we gotta bring the boys back. Mm-hmm. They need to see the old man. He needs to know he's not forgotten. Very sad. Very well done. In this scene, Bob says a line that we love. Because mm-hmm. when he pulls out the letter, the general says, <laughs> I can't read it on my glasses. Can you read it for me? Mm-hmm. And Bob pulls out the letter and he starts moving it. Back and forth. Back and forth. To, to like focus his vision. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'm playing the trombone a bit myself. <laughs> <laughs> Playing like, a bit of trombone myself these days. Why don't we still use these lines? Oh, it's such a, such a good way. Because this movie, it's the 50s. It's got so many good lines and just old school jargon. Mm. Here's a few of them. Let's talk about it. Ooh, I'm excited. Obviously the trombone one. It's just the imagery. Yeah, because that's how you play a trombone. People you move used, your arm back and forth. People used to paint images with their voice. I love it. With their words. I love metaphor. Oh, take me back to before the civil rights movement. No. 
no, no, stop. So nobody clipped that out of context. <laughs> but I mean, running gags that are words. Anytime Bob or Phil needs to convince the other one to do something, they say, let's just say we're doing it for an old pal in the army. Let's say we're doing it for an old oh, pal in the army. army. Yes, I've heard that one. Just to give themselves an excuse to do the thing that they probably shouldn't be doing. Yeah, they're just, all right, let's do it. Why not? Hilarious. When Bob is talking to Betty and saying everyone has an angle, he says, oh, everybody's got a little larceny in them. Don't worry about it. Just what? <laughs> what? <laughs> the, the word larceny is heavy. Uh-huh. Very funny, though. So strong. It's like everybody can be a conniving piece of shit. Don't worry about it. It's like, whoa. Yeah, we're all capable of doing crimes. Mm, okay. All right, Bob. You're not wrong, but I don't like it. I don't like <laughs> I don't being like, called out like that. I don't like your alliteration. Mm-hmm. A little larceny. Very good. Give us the Phil Davis, the great line. Oh, God. Okay. This is a bit of a tongue twister. I may screw it up. However, you got it. this is the scene where they're getting changed in their dressing room after um, they put on their show playing around. And they're about to go see the Haynes sisters. And Phil is telling Bob... You need to settle down. You need to find a lady soon. Because, here we go. Okay. When what's left of you gets around to what's left to be gotten, what's left to be gotten won't be worth getting. Whatever it is, you've gotten left. (laughs) What? (laughs) And even Bob looks at him like, When I figure out what that means, I'll come up with a response. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? But it makes sense. It makes sense. Everything, it makes sense. Because he's basically telling Bob, if you don't act soon... All the the quote-unquote good women or, you know, the people that are desirable will have been gone and you won't have any options left. Yeah. And you, nobody's going to want you either because it'll mm. be too late by then. Right. Hilarious. So good. Oof. That's a good vocal warm-up. Yeah. If you need to practice for a monologue, clip that and just go over it over and over and over again. Obviously, Bob, slow to move for romance. Mm-hmm. Betty, slow to move as well. When Judy and Phil are seeing that there could be something between Bob and Betty, mm-hmm. Judy looks at Phil and says, I got a flash for you. She's a slow mover. And Phil looks at her and says, I got a flash for you, too. She's in there with the champ. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's just, just so well put. Oh, you're so quick witted. I love how smart you are. You, you always have a great response. Uh, uh, amazing. You so love funny. the conductor. I do. <laughs> and nobody probably knows this at all. I do. I do. I had to say it like him. Because mm-hmm. as they're coming into Pine Tree, as is required for old-timey car rides in trains, uh, you have to tell the people what stop they're at. And uh, as the man, <laughs> the man's coming down the, the corridor in the train, he's like, Pine Tree, coming into Pine Tree. <laughs> And I just love it so much, and I don't know why. It's very funny. It is well done. It's very sing-songy and just cute. Mm-hmm. Line of the movie might be when Bob and Betty are having, having some sandwiches, some late-night sandwiches, at like eleven o'clock at night, maybe, and buttermilk. <laughs> White people. There's so much milk in this freaking <laughs> movie. A lot of milk. There's too much milk. That should be a drinking game for this movie. Oh, is God. like every time you see milk. Take a drink. Take a shot of milk. Uh, no, I Take a little be, whole milk down the gullet. I'd be on the toilet by minute 10. They move from the kitchen to the indoor fireplace. This is a ski lodge. Oh, that is normal. Indoor fire pit. There it's you go. It's an open fire. You act like there's not a chimney above it. 
It's dangerous. <laughs> it's really not. People have fireplaces in their homes all the time. It's basically the same thing. And then they don't have homes after a few years <laughs> when it burns down. <laughs> Bob <laughs> takes the sandwiches. He tells Betty, oh, grab the cow. Grab the cow. Which is what the buttermilk is in. It's the pitcher. And I'm just like, why don't we say this anymore? Why don't we say, can you grab the cow, dear? Why? Even though it would be like, grab the almond. Grab the almond. <laughs> I don't drink Grab the oat. Milk. Ooh. Grab the oat. And lastly, and I hesitate to say it, but it works out all right. There is a menstrual number in this. Yeah. Yikes. Everything they say is great lines. It's so, it's so quick. But we'll hold off on talking about yeah. that for a minute. Because we need to change pace and talk about war. What is it good for? Making lasting relationships that will pass the test of time and building a brotherhood and a family you never knew you would have. Well, that took a turn. I was going to say absolutely nothing, <laughs> but okay. We'll, well go this, with yours. This movie shows us, just r- real quick. We're going to start a tangent before we even start on the thing that we want to talk about. I know, but I have to say it's wild that in the past they really just had full-blown celebrities go to war. Elvis Presley, you're going to go kill some men today. (laughs) Hope you don't die. Elvis. Yeah. Or any other celebrity during this time. Right. And and I mean, sure, the chances of them actually seeing active duty was probably pretty low. I don't know. But it's still pretty wild because Elvis went to war. Stan Lee was in war, but he was... I know a little bit about it. Stan Lee was in... The arts division of the army where he did he make propaganda yeah he essentially just made posters and stuff oh that's kind of cool but it's funny that's a good gig you don't get shot at right military man but other than that this film really goes a long way to showing that war bond that family that brotherhood that going to war creates Mm -hmm. every time you say war bond i imagine like war bonds i know like the little coupons oh yeah but i okay we're going with emotional bonding, not yeah, it's a war financial bond. bonds. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of wordplay is happening here. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. It makes sense. They don't want the old man to leave because he's like family to them. He's yeah. like all of their dads. I don't know why I said it like that, but yeah. And, and I feel like it could also be just a little bit of that Shawshank effect. Mm-hmm. You've been in it so long, it kind of becomes all you know. Yeah. And all you're really used to. You know, that PTSD hits real hard. And you're just thinking, I, I can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. I am Ward. This is I'm going to be here forever. Yeah. So it makes sense that they don't want the general to leave. And it makes sense that he doesn't want to leave. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's so much that he, like, wants to be in, like, you know, in the army. It's like he misses the routine of it all. And um, and having power. And uh, I don't think he's necessarily mm-hmm. like that. But... I think that Waverly is so kind of like saddened by having to leave the the army because those men really were his family for a long period of time. It's very obvious that everybody cares for him, especially in the, you know, the glimpses that we see at the beginning of the film and at the end of the film. I'm sure that's a really hard thing to do to be in charge of so many people and then have that stripped away and then you're kind of left all by your lonesome do everything and we don't see waverly having a wife no but apparently he does and has children yeah or had a wife because she's not there with him yeah whether they're they're divorced or other circumstances Mm -hmm. but it's it's really interesting just because it's just him missing out on 
what it was like to be in combat. Yeah, the rush. The rush. Out there running in the fields. But it's true. This movie does do a great job at making... It makes me understand just how strong that bond from being at war together is. And how could it not be? Yeah, facing mortality, uh, that'll yeah, do that, something. Yeah, that fear bond. But also, you know, it was World War II. Yeah. Many people have said it kind of feels like, a, you know, the last just war. Yeah. I mean, you're fighting against Nazis. Probably needed to stop Hitler, right? <laughs> I, I would say yes. So yeah. it seems pretty justified. Mm-hmm. But th- this movie definitely shows the bond that they have because when Bobson in there is watching General Waverly just sort of stand there, watch the sister act, he looks and says, we ate and then he ate. We slept and then he slept. Which just is a great line to illustrate that maybe Bob Wallace feels guilty mm-hmm. that the general, this great man who kept them alive, yeah. who made decisions to keep everyone safe, hasn't been given more outside of war. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just interesting for us, if you want to speak on it a little yeah. bit yourself, that, how do I say it? I just, I don't really believe that wars in modern day are just and should ever be fought. As much as I support the people who are brave enough to go fight, I also don't necessarily feel that they should even be there. And I don't feel that being a veteran means you immediately get respect if you're going to be a dick to me yeah. or anyone else. <laughs> Just be a good person and Which, you'll be respected. This movie, it does make me be like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get this bond that you have and I get why you are the way that you are. For sure. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of weird because it it's as somebody who has very little military or armed forces uh, individuals within my personal life, I feel very separated from like kind of the veteran story and things like of that nature. But stories like this definitely make combat vets especially uh, way more sympathetic because it's um it's traumatic. Oh yeah, and um, it's very moving to know that. The people next to you will put their lives on the line to keep you living and breathing. Yeah. yeah just the idea of like the greater good and safety of others. I, I get, you mm-hmm. know, I get. But also I don't because I really don't. Um, <laughs> but funny enough, you know, I, I can equate it with a Call of Duty game. I'm just talking, We're talking about, about video games. Talk now? about this briefly. For one, it's funny because <laughs> obviously Call of Duty and shooters and all that, they aren't real. But they can often tell real stories mm-hmm. and make you feel real things. Whenever I play Call of Duty, I'm always reminded of just how wild war actually is. Because I, pl- I play through the things in a video game. And just the depictions, I'm like, how could anyone go on after seeing stuff like this? I know I couldn't, which is why I will never enlist. People give video games flack and some people think they cause violence and stuff. But I just see it as like, for Call of Duty, not only is it fun, yeah, but it shows me... War is fucking wild. Just the idea of being in Normandy is like, how could you move on from this? How could you never just see that every single day and night of your life? Yeah. So that's wild. But to go on another one of Eddie's short tangents, there was a video game called Call of Duty World War II that told a beautiful story about brothers that I think is a lot like this movie and affected me in a similar way. The story very shortly is your main character... He's traumatized by his older brother dying. When they went out hunting, he got attacked by a wolf. And then in World War II, you bond with your uh, division and you have a friend 
who's really close to you, who's like your brother, who's a Jewish man, you're going and fighting in World War Two. Pretty wild. That is just that alone crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. Even crazier. Near the end, your Jewish brother gets taken hostage by the Nazis. And you're just the whole time you like go AWOL and you almost get court martialed and sent off, but you're like, I need to go get this guy back. In the end, you're running to save him. You can hear like gunshots in the distance and stuff. You're going and you're just getting flashbacks. And it shows your older brother being attacked by a wolf. And the reason you're traumatized is because your main character didn't act and just let him die. So your whole thing is, I'm not going to let another brother die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, why, oh do, why do I feel this? Mm-hmm. when?" But it's just the story of like brotherhood. That's what this movie shows me. Yeah. It's fantastic. Wipe your tears. <laughs> it's time to get lighthearted. <laughs> We just love taking... Hard lefts and rights. <laughs> Everybody's going to get a concussion during this episode because yeah. you're going to slam your head into the, the side of the door in the car. Oh, yeah. Donk. Oh, God, that reminds me of when I used to ride the bus. <laughs> and I'd fall asleep, and then the bus driver would go over a speed bump too hard. Yeah. And I would just slam my head <laughs> into the wall. <laughs> I'm awake. <laughs> the songs. The songs. I mean, the song's called White, or the movie's the called... The song's Wh- called this musical. The song's called, the movie's called White Christmas, and it opens with Bing, you know, uh, Raymond. Mm-hmm. Amazing. You all know the you song. You made it sexier than it actually was, but yeah. Yeah, he's singing. He's looking singing in-, in combat, like in an active military zone. Yeah, he's killing it. <sighs> just oh, make me, makes me cry every time, because these boys are just like resting their... Their chins on like the butt of their gun. Very unsafe. Uh, don't do that. Anyway, but they're just like relaxing. They're probably thinking about home. They're missing their families, their moms, their girlfriends, their, you know, their significant people in their lives. You know, just like, want to go home. God, I just want to go home. I miss my <laughs> can family. We, can we be done with this? Can we stop putting yeah. our lives in the line, and please? And they're just dreaming of a white Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's all they want. The simple things. They just want to be at home watching the snowfall. Instead, they're watching. What I'm going to call old blue eyes. Yeah. Just singing. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It Very comes good. back. And then they go into, we'll follow the old man wherever he, he wants, wants to go. As long as he wants to go. Opposite of the foe. Ugh. Which is a funny line. Like, <laughs> as long as we're not running at enemies, yeah. we'll follow you. <laughs> or fight against them, yeah. I guess. It's Yeah, it's like fighting. As long as we're fighting against the right people. We're yeah. gonna Find a good fight. Him. One of the good ones. Because we love him. We, we love, love him. Beautiful. Uh, so good. Very, very fun. I mean, we may as well just go through all the songs, huh? Let's go. Because they're boom, all boom, fire. Boom. Next song, we get a little medley. We get a medley from the boys, the Wallace and Davis they're going, medley. Hup! Hup! And they do a lot of hup <laughs> and they do a lot of stepping. <laughs> the blue skies shining on me. Ooh! The, the blue, blue skies. skies. Do I see? And you just want to do up, do up, do up. Yep. <laughs> Great song. So fun. Very we, good. We get the sister act. Sisters, sisters. There were never such devoted sisters. Uh, they're in an open air restaurant. The fans are iconic. The big yes. blue fans. My goodness. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I want to hold one of those things. I want to hit someone with the two. Oh, so funny. Just like he does. Yeah, it's great. Let me wipe my tears. <laughs> the next great song, and they're all great. Mm-hmm. 
is the best things happen while you're dancing things that you would not do at home come naturally on the floor and phil and judy this is when they they just whisk each other off and just so romantic go do a just a full-blown a number oh the pace changes so frequently in that dance it's crazy because they'll go from like ballroom to like tap to jazz to oh it's so good love it it's amazing what is this the best two out of three what does that mean betty what does that mean and then we get sisters reprise the boys in drag let's talk about it it's so good and it's not even drag no they just they roll up their pant legs and put on a bow and And (laughs) but it's enough it's enough of a feminine touch that it feels like drag right yeah, they have to buy time for the actual Haynes sisters mm-hmm. uh, to run away from the sheriff. And they decide to act as them. Mm-hmm. And huh? you had a fun story about this? Oh, apparently, like, or at least I heard it. Don't quote me on this as, as scripture her. or anything. It's all true. But um, apparently, this scene was not actually planned for the film. Mm-hmm. And the, the guys, they just decided to do it as a, a funny little bit. They're like, let's be the Haynes sisters for a minute. (laughs) Uh And so I guess everybody didn't know this was going to happen. And they put on the record and they lip synced it like a drag routine. And the whole time they're just busting up, laughing, hitting each other with the fans. And then everybody in the background, if you pay attention, they are just trying so hard not to lose their shit because it is so funny to them. Yeah, they're like... It's genuinely hilarious. smiles on their faces, Mm -hmm. their eyes. You can tell they're just like, this is What is happening? And I totally believe it. I 100% believe it's true because there's multiple times in the number where... Mm -hmm. Bing breaks. Bing will break (laughs) a little bit and like Danny looks like he's... I mean, he's committed, but Mm -hmm. he looks... They just look like they're having fun. Yeah. And at the end, it ends with them just laughing. And you can just tell right there like, oh, this is just a good time. Yeah. Well, and Bing, like... um. If you, I pay attention to Bing lip syncing during this scene um, because he doesn't fully know the words. Oh, really? Which is a nice touch. Huh. If you look, his his lips get mix, mix matched a little bit. Really? And so he's a teeny bit off on some of the, which is good. It makes sense for the character yeah, because they have only heard they the song it. once, yeah. it you know, in canon or whatever. So And Danny's oh. so good. He does Danny this just little st- like. Steals the show. I don't even know how it can convey it in Sisters? audio. Sisters? It's but just he so just, yeah. <laughs> His eyes are just so like, sort of like uh, playful, uh-huh. and his <laughs> he just whacks with the, being fan. with the fan. Also, shouts out to those fans. The fact that no feathers fell out of those the entire time Great they were doing production. that. Wow, yeah. high quality fans. We go to Pine Tree, Vermont, because Pine Tree <laughs> coming into Pine Tree should be beautiful this time of year. All that. Snow, 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 snow. It won't be long before it's all. Well, I'll be there with snow. I don't know. The words are hard. The words <laughs> yeah. in that song are hard. It's a tough song. It's very fun. It's so good. It's hard to sing. The lyrics are difficult, but it's very, it's very um magical. Yeah. It's very dreamy. I really like that number in the um the club car. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's very. And they, they like made little scenes with yeah. napkins. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> it's, cute. it's cute. It's cute. And I like it a lot. Very After fun. that, we have a minstrel number. Oh, boy. We finally got to the minstrel show. <laughs> the the songs are good. And luckily, it's not blackface. Thank God. Yeah. Because I couldn't watch the movie. 
the songs during the menstrual number are good. I'd rather see a menstrual show. show. Which, real quick, sorry to cut us off, but you made a great point. I just have to say it now. All of these songs, essentially the chorus is the name of the song. The chorus is the title, and uh, that is just good writing. So you can just sing it just by looking at it. You'll instantly remember what song it is, because it's the chorus. Yeah, the next one is Mr. Bones. Mr. Mr. Bones. Bones. Tell another story, Mr. Bones. Or, I don't know if those are the words, but you get it. And then and just tell the jokes the whole time. It's hilarious. Mandy. We, there's a minister, Handy. Oh, so catchy. Oh, it's so fun. We get the scene. Bingus is serenade Betty. When... <laughs> you said Bingus. And I was like, Bingus. who's Bingus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bingus over Bingus there. Bingus blue eyes in the corner. Mm-hmm. When I'm worried and, and I, I can't, can't sleep, I count, count my blessings instead of sheep. And I fall asleep, counting my blessings. This part is very funny to me because it's essentially the only part in the musical where someone's just singing for no reason. Not a performance. Out of context, yes. yes. Out of con- out of context serenade. And it's just so funny to me because if you imagine this happening in real life... I would walk away. Because this man was just saying, hey, do you want to hear what I do when I can't sleep? Yeah, are you going to tell me, Bing? No, I'm I mean, gonna, sorry, Bob, I'm are you going to tell me? I'm going to sing at you. If this happened in real life, I would just be... My eyes would just go so wide, like, what are you doing? I did not sign up for open mic (laughs) night. Why is this happening? Are you really doing this right now? Oh, my God. I think I need to go. But it's it's a very heartwarming song. Oh, yeah. And it's a very dedicated move. It's like the all or nothing. You pull this. Oh, yeah. And she starts singing back. You're in. You're in. You're going to make it for 60 years. Mm Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, you've lost everything. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a pretty high-risk move. She's going to make fun of you. Remember that time that <laughs> idiot sang to me at the fire pit? Everyone's like that was a normal thing it. to do? Yeah. But Meanwhile, hey. in normal musicals, that happens constantly. Yeah, 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 but yeah. this musical is written in a way where every song is part of the musical performance, with the exception of this song. Yeah. And the best things happen while you're dancing. Yes. those the These two numbers, yeah, exclusively. Yes. But, wow. Either way, after this, we go to choreography. There were chicks. Who did kicks? <laughs> Danny Kay, I love you. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Instead of doing dance, they're doing choreography. And they're like doing <laughs> crazy contemporary weird. Like it seems like they may have been making, ma- I don't know if Fosse was during this time, mm-hmm. but they were making fun of, you know, the avant-garde style of dance. Hmm. So um, very, okay. very good. Then we have just an instrumental. It's called Abraham. It's just... A hard it's a dancing. dance number. It's yeah. a straight up dance number. And we get our final songs. Mm-hmm. Betty's being moody. Ooh, a Virgo. She didn't ask any questions and is all in her she said, head. I've been hurt so deeply by a thing that's not even real. She it's said, me hurting my own feelings, <laughs> really. <laughs> yep. She said, I am the drama. Love, you, you didn't, didn't do right, right by, by me. me. You sent me a bow at winter and snow in his heart. Wasn't smart, oh, She's got a very fun song. Love it. It's a good song, and it's just all moody. She's in a black dress. Oof, the hourglass, va-va-voom. Mm-hmm. A bunch of weird men in turtlenecks just 
dancing. Yeah, just posing. Posing, really. It's more of a posing shoot than anything. (laughs) Then Bing gets his song, trying to get the boys Mm -hmm. back. What can you do with a general? When when he he stops stops being being a general. general. You know? It's great. What can you do? It's a good question. It's a good question. And we get to hear the old man again. Reprise again, you know? We'll follow Follow the the old old man man wherever he wants wants to go. Beautiful. There's tears in eyes. Oh, it's we're I getting know to I the, cry. We're getting to the big finale. Mm-hmm. Last song before the last song. Gee, I, I wish, wish I was, was back, back in the, the army. army. The army really wasn't bad at all. Mm. Three meals a day oh. for which you didn't pay. Oh. Uniforms for winter, spring, and fall. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be said <laughs> for the army. I don't know. It's just like a fun it's little so ditty. so good, yeah. And then we get the big finale. We get... The title. It is snowing. <sighs> Magic. Well, White Christmas oh. comes back. It's so good. Every time I see the snow, my heart like oh. flutters. Christmas. Like, oh my god, it's snowing. Yo, this is a white Christmas. You know this happens at the end? That was the best part of the stage production that I got to see when I was in high school. Yeah. Is they made it snow on stage. Magic. Instead of like just doing a snowy backdrop. They did the foam like snow, Ooh, and it was so cool. Very nice. And I definitely cried. It's a great touch. <laughs> I was like, Christmas, it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Hooray. We need to talk about Bob and Phil's relationship in this movie because it is, I think, so special. I think it's a pretty rare thing to get to see, especially like, I don't know. It seems like it's a rare thing during this time to see such like bosom friends, especially who are Ooh. men. Well, yeah, yeah, like a bosom friend. I don't you, know what that you've means. You've never heard that terminology before. <laughs> no. um, basically, I'm just like, you, You're thinking tits, huh? She is stacked. That just shows how little you paid attention in church growing up. What? Like, bosom is not a sexual thing. It's like being close to someone's heart. So it's like a best, like a bosom friend is like a best friend. I don't think we did that in the Catholic church. You never heard the phrase bosom in the I Bible? I don't know. I don't read the Bible. They heard it read to you. I don't listen week. when they're reading. <laughs> <laughs> you think I pay attention? Ever since Catholic I church? was a child, I was just zoning out. It was just me. Were like, you thinking about Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Like what did Animal you do? Crossing, where like I get that weird look and you can see my thoughts. Yeah, it's just like, oh, Pokemon's gonna be on. Ooh, would really love to beat that level in Mario. Mm. Anything but what they were trying to teach me. Well, anyway, they're really good buddies. Who love bosoms. They both seem to really like women as well. So there is a tie-in for your... Jesus Christ, do you have to gesture <laughs> to tits like that? So aggressively? That's like they fine. weigh like 50 pounds in front of you? Yeah. Ooh, tits. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Bapping. Anyway, they're really good friends. And um, it's very obvious that not only do these men care about each other, but there's a deep love that they have for one another. And I think that's just like super special and yeah, it's, it's great. great. The intimacy that they show in their changing scene, mm-hmm. you love. I do because it's like, it's not like they see each other naked or anything. Like as the audience, we don't really get to see anything. They change behind trunks. S- we don't see any bulge or whatever. Yeah, come on now. No, no, no. Let we're me not see what Bing's be- working with. <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> Bing's got a weird body. Huh? Oh yeah, he's got a weird old man body. Yeah. It's just, and it makes me think that Bing and Danny Danny were just really actually good friends in real life. I, I, I hope that's the case. That may not be true, 
but their chemistry is so good in this movie and it just feels so natural and I especially love the the changing room scene because not only is what they're saying extremely entertaining but they the fluidity in which they interact with each other they change outfits they help each other get dressed um, in some aspects like throwing ties across the room and things like that it just shows like how comfortable these men are with each other they even though Bob is obviously the more reserved friend he opens up and comes out of his shell for Phil because he trusts him and it's just like a really beautiful friendship it's nice that we get to see them really treat each other so so kindly they're essentially brothers yeah you know so they're very comfortable with each other and it's it's great to see this relationship depicted you know especially back then in the 50s Mm -hmm. the whole heteronormativity of everything it's nice to see two men who are so close Mm -hmm. and they're not related yeah they're just like really really good friends Mm -hmm. because especially with theater yeah a lot of people could read it as look at these two gay men Mm -hmm. it gets into that whole theater thing and the cultural views on theater even still today yeah it's just if you're into musicals, if you're into theater, especially at a young age. If you're as a, into acting yeah. or singing or especially dance, I feel. Right. As a man, you're seen as, well, look at this gay man. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, when's he going to come out of the closet? Yeah. You know, it just has to be something There's underlined. always the presumption that if you, which is really historically weird because traditionally theater was exclusively produced and performed by men manly men manly men and it's just weird how that is like a stereotype especially in like american culture that if you're interested in the arts kind of as a whole you're kind of perceived to be fruity Mm -hmm. it's like what do you mean right why does it have to be that way why do you assume that yeah it's really just nice to see these guys and it actually plays really interestingly into the real life of Danny Kay. Yeah. Again, I did a little research and Danny Kay, you know, it was kind of a big thing with him in his life that a lot of people thought that he was gay mm-hmm. just because of, I guess, the person he was. He was into theater and musicals and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I don't really remember all yeah. the details in terms of, you know, his relationships and all that. But I mean, I'm not, we can't say one way or another, obviously, mm-hmm. but. He's no longer here to defend himself. So. Yeah, and at the end of it all, it doesn't really matter. No. You know, I, I could say, well, he married a woman and had a daughter and all this stuff. But, you know, the only real person who was going to know was Danny. And he is long past. Mm-hmm. But it, it speaks to just how shitty it is. Yeah. Um, Who was it? Sean Mendez has talked about it before. Oh, yeah. How much it hurt him that people constantly say that he's gay and all this mm-hmm. and he's just hiding. And I can imagine, because obviously young men, very much when you're young and you don't really understand or you haven't been taught these things, you think like, no, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. And you yeah, get very defensive. Yeah, because you're taught that it's a really bad thing yeah, to be. and you get defensive and it, it, I'm sure it can take a big toll. Oh, I'm sure mentally, so it, yeah. You know, Danny Kay, I guess, for my part, it could speak to his strength as well. Mm-hmm. And like Sean Mendes in Modern Day and all these other men who are constantly cast as like... Mm-hmm. I see it as not that these men are saying that it's a bad thing, but it's saying you can be supportive of it, but at the same time be, it's just not me. Yeah, that's not it's my not identity. who I am. Yeah. And so. it's also, I think that maybe the um, the assumptions with Danny, if I were to presume mm-hmm. quite a lot, 
he seemed to be a very expressive and emotional person. Right. And a lot of the time, unfortunately, in American culture, that is seen as weak. And uh, unmasculine, feminine, which is sad because it's like, why can't men be expressive and sing about their feelings and feel the need to dance and create art? Like that's just so devastating to think that we would bully somebody out of expressing themselves. I'll end it on this. Mm -hmm. Talk about this whole Bert and Ernie idea because obviously it's been a long discourse with many people saying many things to creators and viewers alike. Is that Bert and Ernie? Are they gay? Aren't they? They're two grown men who live together and all this stuff. And I think it's it speaks to the idea of male intimacy mm-hmm. and male relationships and being able to just be really good friends with another man yeah. and be very affectionate yeah. and hug and touch and do all these things and male, sing and dance together. Male homosocial relationships yeah. in our culture are very frowned upon. Right. Traditionally. And it's kind it's of changing. An, it's kind of annoying with Bert and Ernie because they are puppets. So <laughs> <laughs> Yes. But in terms of the relationship, I think funny enough, another man that we listen to a lot, Aaron mm-hmm. Hansen of Game Grumps. Yes. He made a good tweet talking about it when it was like very heavily talked about a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. Essentially saying it annoys him that men aren't allowed to be depicted as really good close friends without being called gay. Yeah. Because you know, we should be able to have close relationships with our male friends and hug and do all these things and not have to explain, no, we're just really good friends. Yeah. Because why do you have to be? It's just societal again. Mm -hmm. Because homosocial relationships between women, our our Richter scale for being a lesbian is so much different. Yeah. So much more different than it is expected of gay men in our yeah. culture. It's it's really interesting. That's a whole other discourse we could get. But into, it's nice but. to see in this film that yes, we get the sense that they are incredibly close close friends, and that's it. Mm-hmm. They love each other mm-hmm. in the fifties. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, there's another man. Oh no. <laughs> Another man who we haven't really talked about, but... It's almost like he didn't get a name, really, at all. I didn't really know his name, because... Let me explain it like this. Around the time that Wallace and Davis decide they're going to do a show for the general, but they want to keep it a secret, they bring in their whole crew, and they bring in a guy who just dances real hard. He suddenly is in every number with Judy, and he's just killing it alongside her. So good. He's just getting after it. He kills it in everything. It's like they said, Danny Kay is great, yes. But he can't keep up with Judy the same way this guy can. So we got to bring in this guy. And for some reason, on upon first viewing, I saw this guy, and I was like, there he is. Who? There's my Latino right there. Oh, honey. There's, there's my Latino representation. You're not alone. I also, this is super funny because Eddie nor I brought this up until we were writing the outline for this. I assumed this man was Latino. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. It's something in the the posture, the stunning smile. Yeah, even if I can't explain it, pretty sure he's not. Yeah, I don't know. But he just seems so vaguely Latino to me. Yes. That... I don't know. He he's just got the heart and feet of the Latin people. You can tell. <laughs> you look at him like you said that smile. I cannot speak like, to it. I am not Latin, so I cannot hand out that card. But yes. I was like, look at him, Mira. Look like, at this man, Mira. Hey, look. Hey, there's another spice on the spice rack besides salt and pepper right, right now. Like, what's happening? It's like, look at this. He's a little spicy. Yeah. 
Wow. And I guess Kayla told me later, I guess he's the choreographer and his name is Vance. Yeah, they, there's like a brief moment where you see like a, a cue card. Or not yeah. a cue card, but like a description of playing around. And it's like, whatever, Wallace and Davis. <laughs> and then it's like music. And then it says choreographer, Vance. And it's a one name. He's a one name man. And it could just be, again, I was apprehensive to watch this the first time. As you should be. And maybe I just really wanted to be able to say, whoa. They got a Latino in there, though. They got one. They got That's one. That's all we needed. Latino. I just want another Puck re- representation because there's only one other guy. There's yep. one black man in this film. Yep, and he works in the club car uh-huh. on the train, and he just cleans a glass and then pours a frothy beverage, and that's it. Yep, he pours some clouds. Mm-hmm. We got some big Vance moments right here. In choreography, I don't even know what I'm about to say. He's, he's, he's lost for words. Yes, partly because in choreography, another one of Eddie's little tangents. This was the part where I said, what the hell is this play even about? What is this musical even about? Everything's It's called playing around. Yeah, I guess. They're just having fun. But I was just like, nothing is cohesive here. (laughs) It doesn't need to be if it's entertaining. You're right. My guy, mi hombre, Latino ass Vance, is back in choreography, baby. He comes jumping out the stage. It was, I still don't know how they did that. He's looking like... He shot out of a rocket. Yeah, looking like Ray fucking Mysterio. Just, who's that jumping out the sky? V-A-N-C-E. Yeah, it's Vance. There you you go. There you go. Coming in and he's just, ah, ah, hot stepping. Mm -hmm. Just right in there. This man goes so hard. And he's smiling the whole time. This guy's got great teeth. He's got amazing teeth. Almost like comically nice teeth. Like yeah, he when, looks like a Kendall. Kind of when Roman Reigns came back. I was like, whoa. And he got the veneers and like, put those teeth away. They're so bright. Whereas like 60% of his face looks like teeth. Yeah. No, but it doesn't look bad. No, no, no. It's but like, it's wow, like, this man is a model and hmm. can dance like this. Yeah, this man got teeth. Man got teeth. Wow. So I kind of feel like Rey Mysterio maybe got the idea of jumping out of the stage from this Latino legend right here. We Vance. need to find out if he's actually Latin. Maybe. Maybe someday. Maybe one day we'll know. But I don't think he is. But again, in the song, the number Abraham, the instrumental, my guy Vance is back at it again. Este way. He's back one more time. Crazy. He's ready. He does a quick, hard dance. And it's kind of funny because at the point in the show, it's just like, oh, that was heavy between Betty and Bob. That was sad as shit. I'm let's sad just, that they're fighting now. Let's, let's just do show a dance. people dance. <laughs> yeah. It works, doesn't it? They, it distracts your brain for a little bit. You're like, oh, it'll be okay. And I know I've said it already, but they go even harder in this one. Yeah. It's just Abraham all energy. Is, it is just start to finish gas. Mm-hmm. Just like everything's fast, everything's sharp. It's like big leap. Oh my gosh. I like when they're circling around each other and like. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, they like do a clap thing. It's great. The last big Vance moment leads us into one of the biggest moments for me. A heart-dropping, heart-stopping moment, (laughs) especially on the first view. Vance is amazing in the minstrel number. And let's talk about Uh, this because, again, I'm watching it the first time. I'm like, this is great. I'm having a great time. I've seen no blackface. I've seen no overt racism. Yep. Things are going good. Yep. And then I see the marquee or the chalkboard that's queued up and it says minstrel number. And I'm like, oh, oh no. no. Oh, is no. My, is my perception of Danny Kaye about to be shattered? Is this man about did to do he, blackface? Did they ever do? I don't know. Oh, I, I'm not going to look, look it up. Somebody, don't, don't tell us. <laughs> Please don't tell us. 
I I can't have another heartbreak again. But your heart stops because you're like, is this about to get racist? Please don't let it get racist. Because I did a little research in in my time. A dangerous thing that you tend to do. Well, just in my time on Earth, because sometimes in my job in the past, I've had a lot of downtime. So I just go on tangents on Wiki. I did research on minstrel shows. Yeah, there was, boy. I believe, there was a very brief, like maybe one or two year period of time where they weren't racist. Exactly, it was just like the beginnings, and it was more like a just it was like, like a variety show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But minstrel shows are synonymous with racism and blackface. Mm-hmm. Essentially, minstrel shows are blackface shows where the the actors are all in blackface, and it's where we get all these very racist tropes and stereotypes from like the mammy character and like i don't even know how if i can say it but you know where they do like the southern very thick southern accent and just where you cannot even understand what they're saying and just depictions of like black people as lazy and all these things it's all from minstrel shows yeah like it's legitimately minstrel shows are racist by nature yeah so seeing this i was like like, oh no oh man my girlfriend's a racist lover and it's like no dear but (laughs) to the defense of white christmas they did not do it thank god they put on a minstrel show in the sense of what was minstrel supposed to be what was it for these racist people what it was was a comedy show yeah it was to make fun of black people so they could laugh at them so minstrels were supposed to be comedies. And that's what this number is yeah. because they do... Uh, they do Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones, which is them just telling jokes. Mm-hmm. They do Mandy. Obviously, they do the number where they say, I want to see a minstrel show. And in this one, in the last viewing... <laughs> uh, we made a mistake. I kind of caught... We caught a bad thing. And it's... I mean, I'm, and that's the thing because we're culturally ignorant to this time because we were not like alive so we don't know who this person was so here's the thing and it's not it just speaks to the time because in the 50s when this movie is taking place they're reminiscing about the minstrel shows how they want to see one and they use a guy's name i think it was like georgie primrose or something yeah i think that's right yeah and if you look him up <laughs> oh the this first man, the only image i well, saw oh. this man well here's the thing He is one half of the biggest minstrel production in history. They were so racist. (laughs) So it's just funny to see them reminisce about that time. And it reminds you like, ah, man. These people are not necessarily good people uh, if they are hanging on to those ideals. Yeah. But ultimately, it's a fun number. Yeah. And the costuming fantastic great the tambourines great great choreography amazing we got my guy latino as vance puerto rican vance he feels he's light-skinned for sure he feels puerto rican right yeah yeah yeah. and hey for a movie that came out before the civil rights movement uh yeah it's honestly pretty surprising there was not blackface at least we got one black guy and we got one puerto rican vance in there so two happy they were at least polite to the black man. Yeah, they didn't. It was like they just requested anything. drinks, and yeah. that was all they said to him. And so, that, you know, we'll take it as a win. <laughs> yep, two pox. That's no, good. I don't think Vance is a pox. Though. Vance gets. He gets the card. You can I mean, come to the quince. 
as long as it's not what they did in West Side Story, which is just like paint a bunch of white people brown. I forgot um, about that. Yeah. Brown face. Yep. No. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in our mind, Vance is a Puerto Rican I can't explain God. it. I don't get I it I look either. at him and I'm just like, this no. guy's kind of spicy. Rican. He's kind of yep. spicy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got to be the way he dances. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. Like I said, he's got I the know, heart. He's got it. The heart and soul of a Latino. I love it. He's lying on his feet. He's quick. Mm-hmm. He's small. He's very charming. Yeah. Wow. I really like him. Vance kills it. Knocks it out the park. Rest in peace. He is dead. But I was gonna. I was gonna say, shouts out to Vance. All right. Shouts out to his uh, family. Your grandfather was super cool, guys. Yeah. And he was one of two pox in this movie. That's amazing. There you go. Betty and Bob. Betty and Bob. Bob and Betty. Betty and Bob. B and B. B and B. Alliteration. We got, got P and. J. J. Oh, it's like P, B, and J. <laughs> if it's right. double B. B, B, P, and J. <laughs> anyway, Betty and Bob's relationship, it's that, it's, it feels like the um, the enemies to lovers kind of through line, which yeah, is really you're fun. Right. And I love that trope. Oh, White Christmas anime? I would shit my dick. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. That'd be sick. It's just them drawn in anime style. That sounds very fun. And we could get more pox in there. Yay! It could just be all pox this time. That's the thing. It's like I don't want a remake of White Christmas. Like no. I don't want them to revamp the story. No, at all. I think they would ruin things. I, I agree. In a way, because like there's such like a nice innocence to this film that it's like we want to keep it in the time frame. If yeah. we were to remake it, go ahead and like put people of color in the cast for sure. But like keep the story the same. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they would do like. They'd be like, eh. That's why that's what I was trying to convey last night. I feel like they would do just one weird tweak, whatever it would be, yeah. that would sort of completely change a character's whole arc mm-hmm. and stuff and not really add anything. Yeah. And I'm all for remakes just because I'm just like, Yeah, show me something different. I don't care. If I want to watch the original, well, guess it's what? Also, the es- original exists. Especially for like musicals, it's really fun to get to see other people's takes on characters. Yeah. And getting to you know, put their own little spin on it. And that's a nice thing about musicals real quick that mm-hmm. I like is that musicals and stage productions, inherently, there's so many different people playing one character yeah. that it can't really suffer from that idea of like the whole Peter Parker Spider-Man thing. Yeah. Like, oh, well, he's white. Actually, he's been portrayed by so many different people yeah. that you can't say he's one definitive thing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really cool with musicals and stage productions. The theater. The theater. What happened to the theater? The thing that I like a lot about like Betty and Bob's relationship is because they're both so like sharp-witted and they kind of have those those silver tongues. Ooh. It's very fun to get to watch them quip back and forth and it builds like that tension. Mm. It's the same reason like I love P- Pride and Prejudice. It's cuz they start off hating each other kind of. <sighs> But then it quickly like melds into like this, mm, this like nice Ooh, thing. Put your tongue in her mouth. Sure. Yes. No, I agree. Um, <laughs> but it's ugh. Betty is by far worse than Bob. Cause it's like Betty, can we just be a fucking adult and communicate? Yeah. Please. Because I know you think Bob is a piece of shit for like selling out this old man and making fun of him on national television. But guess what? You listen to like the most unreliable source you could possibly find. Yeah. Which is the busybody, like, receptionist of the hotel. Mm-hmm. And it's like, honey, don't you have better intuition than this? Yeah. 
I just picked up on something that's not great. What? Is that this movie kind of the only antagonistic parts are from women? Oh, yeah. Because it's only Emma and Betty. They're the problem. Yep. Hmm. Emma Emma's the receptionist, right? Yeah, she's the busybody receptionist yeah. who tells the lie to Betty and then Betty goes on her, well, you should know what's wrong. I'm leaving. Yeah. But it's also like... And it's not like it, I don't know. It doesn't like necessarily feel malicious, you know. Sure, it's not like they're overtly cast as villains. No, but it's just kind of funny that all without... the problems result from women. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, huh? But it's way also to like go, I don't know. Fifties. I don't know. It feels like just one of those things that's kind of it's happen, fine. happen, happenstance. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah. It's fine. We can hate women Says in this the film. Man. That's why I laughed. I was like, oh, here I am, a man saying, ah, it's all good. Don't worry about no, it. No, it, it doesn't seem malicious. And it's like every film needs a, you know, somebody to cause a problem. Well, you need a plot, right? You need a plot. <laughs> Otherwise, the movie would have been over in like 10 minutes. Right, when Bob got crushed by that building. Dead Bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, yep. Dead Bob the musical. Oh, good. Wow, that was, that was like... I should ten. not have gotten the large popcorn. I only took like five bites and now the movie's over. They're doing an intermission? What's that? <laughs> What's going on here? Is he going to resurrect? What happens? <laughs> I got to see this. <laughs> anyway, the enemies to lovers kind of through line and then, ugh, dramatic irony. Strong. Strong dramatic irony because we know as the audience, like, Betty's fucking wrong. Yeah. She's just listened to the wrong person. And Bob is actually a really good guy who wants to do this out of the kindness of his heart. Right. And it's so funny because it is just the last 30 minutes of the movie is Bob being like, what happened? Mm-hmm. They sang together. He pulled the ultimate dedication card. said, I'm going to sing to this woman. Yep. If she denies me, it's over. But it works out. They sing to each other. They share not one but two kisses. Mm-hmm. He thinks this is great. This is finally what I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, she says, I, I hate you. I want to sing with you. Essentially, yeah. And then she runs off to New York. And just the whole time, Bob's head is spinning. Like, what did what I happened? do? What Should I not have kissed her? And he says as much. He's like, hey, okay, I understand maybe the kiss was too much. But, like, I thought we were getting along great. It's it, funny it's because... It's annoying. It makes you mad. I mean, dramatic irony works so well. <sighs> because you sit there and you've seen it. You know the truth as the audience member. Yeah, but you're still just on edge of your seat because you're like, God, just fucking, you're so stupid. Mm -hmm. Why do you not know this? Why are you such a bad read of character? Why don't you just ask a question, Betty? Just go ask Bob what's going on. Because she's a woman. She only acts out of her feelings. She's Uh not a logical person. Oh, my God. Like a man. Yeah, so logical. Anyway, I do love the scorned woman song. It's great. Love, you didn't do right by me. Mm-hmm. A number. She looks like an absolute fox. Like, wow. Va-va-voom, hourglass, the shoulder moment on the straps yeah, is she great. she said, Princess Diana who? Yeah, she said, revenge dress, I am the origin. Yeah, and after this, Bob sort of tells her, oh, Phil and Judy's wedding was fake. They thought... It... What did they, it was a phony. They say phony a lot. Yeah. And a <laughs> it's farce. It's a phony and a farce. It's that classic scene again where it's the two people who... Dramatic irony, we know they like each other, mm-hmm. but they're always like, oh, you know, they, they thought, thought... They thought we had feelings for each other. <laughs> Stupid, right? Fucking, and then the, fucking morons. And then they look at each other with eyes like, please say no, please say no, please say you like me. And they're like, yeah, dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, see oh you later. God. And then they walk away like, fuck, god damn it. Like, just talk to each other. Just communicate. That's all we want. Right. But their, their whole through line is this knight on a white horse. Yeah. 
Because Bob is saying, like, you know, it's kind of dangerous for you to, like, put me on a a pedestal like this. Like, I'm afraid I might, like, let you down and disappoint you. Mm -hmm. And Betty's like, well, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty confident in you. And uh, and then they kiss and they, you know, it's like, oh, it's it's very, like, romantic. Mm -hmm. It's It's just good imagery. Because at the end, Betty gives Bob a gift. Mm-hmm. It's a surprise gift. He unwraps it. It's like it. an apology, too. Yeah. It's so much in one it thing. It says so much in the one object. Yeah, because he opens the gift up, and it is a white knight on a horse. Why do you always say white knight? Because isn't it white? It's a knight on a white horse. I mean, he is white, so I guess it's a white knight on a white horse. Um, but <laughs> Okay, so it's a knight on a horse. In that he just sees... He's like, oh, I'm back in the I'm game. I'm back. It's going to work out. And she comes up and they kiss. And you know, it's all going to work out. It's really nice. So here we are. The big setup and the big finish. When Wallace sees that General Waverly's spirit is broken, he wants to get as many army boys up to Vermont. Pine Tree, Vermont to the Columbia Inn so they can surprise Waverly to show him he's not forgotten. And something that would definitely never work out. No, this is not <laughs> realistic at all. IRL. But a bit of movie magic and the, the Christmas spirit makes it work out. Originally, it started off as just Wallace and Davis never had a problem packing them in. We can get business to the Columbia Inn if we put on our stage production here. Mm-hmm. But obviously it turned into a dedicated show for Waverly. Bob goes on to the Ed Harrison show, sings, what do you do with a general? Mm-hmm. Says, no one's making any money out of this. Betty says, I'm dumb as shit. Like, oh, no. I should have just, just asked a question. Everyone shows up. The general gets convinced to wear his military uniform. Mm-hmm. And he walks in and just everyone's standing there. And he's just, oh, Aww. it's so good. And they're all in, in uniform and ready for inspection. And they're mm-hmm. just so they're so excited to see him. But they're like trying to like be stone faced because oh we're in the army we gotta be serious. But they're really just like oh I love this guy look yeah. at him I missed him. And it's this- kind of funny because <laughs> part of me was like <laughs> why they played as the old man's delusions you know because like, it's sweet. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Part of it was like. Sure, I guess we'll let this old man act like we're still in the army. It's a callback. I it's, know that. It's to make him feel good. <laughs> it's still ridiculous. I think it's great. Look at this old man talking to me like we're still in the army. It's 10 years ago. They like it. So does General Waverly. Well, I know that. <laughs> That's the whole point. You imagine doing this now, you'd be like, no. I'm busy. This it's guy- <laughs> Christmas Eve. What do you he mean? He thinks we're still in the army? No, I'm not doing that. He says, oh, look at this ragtag bunch. You're a disgrace to the outfit. You look terrible. I've never seen anything so beautiful in my whole entire life. And everyone in the background, you can tell they're just like, we did it. We did it. We got him. Yay. He loves us. Mm-hmm. He starts tearing up, which is good to see from this guy. Wait, what's this guy's name again? I was about to say, we didn't even say the We didn't even name. say his name. Killer name. His name is Dean Jagger. Holy shit. That, that is, is a, a fire. What's it called? Don't know where you're going with this. I don't know. I was I couldn't decide if I was going to say uh, like a flashbang name. I don't know what it's I was going with. It's a dynamite with. name. There we go. We'll stick with dynamite. That's a dynamite name. That is an actor's Dean name. Dean Jagger. Mm. My lord. General Waverly goes down and blows out the candles, mm-hmm. right, on his big cake. And then they get the reprise of 
the old man, mm-hmm. which beautiful. Because we love him. We, we love him. him. Especially when he keeps us on the ball. And for the, the, the answer, duty's call. <laughs> With the, the greatest son of a soldier of them all. Where's Vance? He's backstage. I don't know. He's not part of the finale. He wasn't part of the regimen, so he doesn't need to be in the finale. It's not a dance number. It's a sing-along. Vance doesn't need to be there for the finale. Of course, the Latino doesn't have oh to be there. Oh, my the God. They just always get in the back. Okay. Go back there. You don't need to be seen. All right. Well. At the finale, for some reason, General Waverly's second-in-command guy comes and whispers in his ear that it's snowing. I don't know why someone wouldn't have just said, it's snowing. But they see it's snowing. It's beautiful. They perform White Christmas with some kids who, I got to say, are absolute pros. Oh, my God. I couldn't do that at, like, seven or eight. No rehearsal, though. Crazy. No practice. Little choir boys were ready. These kids just got brought by their families, and all of a sudden, they're doing ballet and singing. They didn't rehearse this. They have choreography. They're doing choreography. They perform White Christmas. They open it up. It's snowing in the background. Everyone sings together, and we fade away. The end. And the movie's over. Hooray! Oh, it's so good. You're wearing your Columbia Inn sweater today. Of course. Adorable. I have the feeling. Mm -hmm. All right, let's define the relationship. Let's do it. I'm going to keep this... Brief. Brief. As is often the case here on Show Dependent, it is the crux of the show. It is why we do this. We just want to talk about things that we love. And this film, I love it. It is Christmas. As I said in the meet cute, this has become synonymous with Christmas to me. The songs are amazing. The dancing is amazing. I want to see this on stage because seeing live stage productions, I've seen a few of them at this point in my life, and it just it hits so different. You feel the energy. I only wish I could have somehow seen Bing and Danny perform this live in front of me because the energy that they give off in the film and everyone else, the whole cast, the energy they give off through the film screen is incredible. For me, completely show dependent on this. Again, it's Christmas time. I have to watch this. We watched it two times. Back Back to back. Back to back (laughs) because we were just said we watched it for the show and then said, hey, just throw it on because I want to hear the songs again. I want to see them dance. I want to see the chemistry. It's an amazing film. If you love Christmas, if you like Christmas, if you like musicals, it's worth your time. Just go watch it again. It's on Netflix and just sit down and enjoy a couple hours of just pure fun, song and dance. At the end of it all, you get to see a great story about just doing something nice for someone who deserves it and getting nothing back. Just the feeling of doing a good deed for someone else. Even though my nostalgia for this film is relatively fresh, I only really saw this as a young adult, but it feels like I've always had this film in my life. Every time I watch this movie, I notice and appreciate something new. I love all of the artistry and the effort that seems to have gone into making this movie. I'm constantly catching myself smiling and laughing at the jokes and being in awe of the dancing, the costuming, and of course the singing. And it's just not quite Christmas without this movie for me. I'm totally show dependent on this, guys. Like, I can't say it enough. And as we kind of close the holiday season, I just hope that you all take some time 
to find some ways to smile and enjoy the simple things in life. Maybe it's singing a song or telling a joke or doing a dance, but try to surround yourself with people that you love because that's really what this movie is really all about. So I hope you guys get to do that this season. Yes, absolutely. And with that, we want to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Yule. Happy whatever you celebrate during this season. Or even if you even if it's hard for you, I know I love Christmas. But I have to acknowledge that holidays for one reason or another can be hard for people out there. So if this is a hard season for you, as we both sort of said, we just hope you can find some joy in this time. Find someone, anyone that you love and just be with them and enjoy whatever it is you want to enjoy during this time. I just we we just want you to be happy and really just enjoy the time that we're coming up to because it's Christmas and it's a new year. Mm-hmm. But before we talk about this new year and new beginnings and what we're going to start off with, again, thank you for listening so much. Thank you, guys. We, You're the reason we keep doing this. Yeah, we started this podcast halfway through 2021. Mm-hmm. We're now approaching the end. Uh, 13 episodes, which Hooray! is pretty wild. And we just, you know want to say a big thank you to all of you so much for listening and if you've told anyone to listen or just downloading supporting saying kind words we really appreciate it and as much as we love doing this and inherently enjoy doing it it is i and we are infinitely grateful to any kind words that anyone gives us on the podcast yeah it means a lot and it does keep us going in some sense so if you liked what you heard please give us a follow download the episodes go back and listen to the other 12 and spread the word tell your loved ones anyone you see during this season that they can listen to show dependent on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts and you can follow the podcast page on twitter instagram at show dependent pod that is s-h-o dependent pod my name is eddie and my name on the socials on Twitter on Twitch is at Victor V Sweet. And my other half over here, Kayla, mm-hmm. where can you be found? You can find me tapping backstage. I'm getting warmed up for my big number. And you can find me on Twitter at DJ Vivich. Mm-hmm. And with that, episode 13 and 2021 has come to a close here on Show Wild. Dependent. Which is crazy to think about. Now, I know we are relatively new, but as Christmas and New Year's are upon us, we thought it'd be best to take a week off to relax, an extra week. Not only that, but we have a pretty big series planned for the new year, and the extra week will give us a bit more time to get that nice and ready for all of you. This series is going to be on one of the most important forms of media that we have ever seen. Mm -hmm. It is truly something that we feel is one of the best stories ever told on television. With a new year comes new hope, a hope that things will get better. In this show, the theme of hope runs deep and that big responsibility lands on the shoulders of a child called Aang. That's right, we are going to have a three-part series on Avatar, The Last Airbender, and it begins with our next episode, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Book 1, Water. We truly cannot wait to talk about a series that shows the power of great storytelling and just how important character building is. Woo-hoo! 
We're going to do it, guys. We're I'm so excited. doing it. As we always say, a final big thank you. And we want to leave you with this to carry on into the holidays. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas With every Christmas card I write May your days be merry and bright And may all your Christmases be wise